the narrative from our gospel reading this morning uh, begins with the need for rest. Uh, Jesus had sent out the 12, two by two, to preach a, a message of repentance, to drive out unclean spirits, and to heal the sick. And now they're coming back, and they're sharing all the things that they had taught and all the things they had done. But there's a problem. Things are crazy busy. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. These folks needed rest. They needed time to rest from their work. They needed time to be together again, having been apart. And they needed time to reflect, to learn from one another, to learn from Jesus. Uh, we need these things as well. We need some wilderness or some desolate places in our lives. Things didn't turn out, though, as planned. Uh, Jesus and the 12 got into a boat to head for their wilderness retreat, uh, but they were recognized and the people scurried along the banks of the Sea of Galilee and, and were there when they arrived. They, they crashed their party, so to speak. Now, many times in Jesus' life and ministry, he would escape by himself, usually at night, to, to, um, to pray, to be away from the crowds. Sometimes he would send the crowds away uh, but this time, he doesn't send them away, and he doesn't try to escape. Uh, he had uh, uh, compassion on them because they were sh like sheep without a shepherd. Now, there's some things that we can learn from this. First of all, our need for rest is real, but sometimes plans change. Things don't always work out the way we intended them to. On a larger scale... Our lives oftentimes don't work out exactly uh, the way we plan them. That's okay. It happened to Jesus and his 12 disciples as well. Uh, sometimes we don't get the job that we were hoping for or the career that we were planning on building. Sometimes we wish we were married and had children, and yet we're still single. We're childless. Uh, we uh, had expected to do many things, but then health issues have intervened. Uh, our plans have had to change. Where we thought we would be is not, not where we are. Uh, maybe we're at that stage of life where we thought um, we would have more time to ourselves, and yet we find uh, that our, our time is being used for unexpected things, maybe caring for grandchildren or, or maybe aging parents as well. Uh, things don't work out as planned, uh, and we need to be ready to adapt to whatever God brings us, just like Jesus and the 12 did. Things may not be what we hoped for, but um, that doesn't mean they can't be good. Uh, when uh, my wife Kim and I were serving as medical missionaries in, in Kenya some years ago, I was asked to uh, come up to a hospital called Louis Hospital in South Sudan to cover for a, a missionary doctor who needed a break. And so I went up there and I spent some time um, standing in for him. Now, um, Louis Hospital was in a, a remote location. This was uh, at the time that North and South Sudan were still in civil war. Louis Hospital was located about 50 miles south of the front lines. 
and the uh, North Sudanese Air Force would sometimes send a cargo plane over and they would toss bombs out of the cargo plane on anything they saw below. Now, they weren't very accurate, and to my knowledge, Louis Hospital never took a direct hit. But there was a complex of caves nearby the hospital, and my first day there, they took me out to the caves to show me where we would all run if we heard the planes coming over. And that's what they did. When they heard the planes, uh, everyone who could uh, would run to the caves and hide until the plane passed over. Now, fortunately, uh, there were no planes during my time there. Um, unfortunately, the week after I left, um, uh, the Anglican Church, which was about the only other building of any substantial size, uh, took a direct hit and was destroyed. Uh, but by God's grace, there was no one inside at the time. Yeah, my rhythm of ministry uh, at Louis Hospital was uh, to get up uh, as uh, soon as there was light. We didn't have electricity at the hospital, so you're kind of limited to the daylight hours and see the patients in the hospital and then go to the clinic. Now, the way the clinic worked is that the patients would, would gather in this large courtyard and uh, because there was very limited health care in that area, uh, and because the roads were largely impassable, people would walk sometimes for days and come there and then they would sort of camp out in the courtyard. And there were, you know, on any given day, at least 100 people in the courtyard waiting to be seen. And um, so I just see as, as many as I could for as long as I could until the light gave out. And um, lanterns were not that useful because they attracted a lot of bugs. Um, and then, uh, those who um, didn't get seen would just uh, wait till the next day. And in fact, uh, those who were seen late because it wasn't safe to travel at night would also stay. So there was sort of an encampment. Come back the next morning and there'll be those who were left over from the day before. And through the day, those numbers would grow as others came. And then uh, towards the late afternoon, it would start to, start to decrease. And... Um, I remember when I started that rhythm, at first, I would feel completely overwhelmed. There were all these people, and many of them quite sick, um, and uh, it was impossible for me to see them all uh, during the time that was available, especially if I got called away to see a patient in the hospital or, or some other reason. Um, I, uh, that feeling of, of being overwhelmed um, uh, transferred to a sort of a feeling of frustration sometimes because uh, many of the patients had conditions that I, I couldn't manage. Um, and uh, I'll have to be honest, a little bit of resentment. You know, every day, the more patients that I saw, the more that courtyard would fill up. And it seemed like you could never get to the end of it. Um, over time, though, um, the Lord changed my heart and uh, gave me a, a real compassion because uh, these really were like sheep without a shepherd. Each of them had their own story. Many of them had sort of ordinary complaints that you'd expect from people who don't have much access to health care. Some had kind of weird tropical diseases, uh, onchocerciasis, which is called river, blind, blind, river blindness, or... Um, uh, condition called African trypanosomiasis, also known as sleeping sickness, or loa loa, which is uh, called the eye worm. If you want to know why, I'll explain that to you later. Um, I'll never forget one patient, though, 
who came to see me. He was a soldier in the South Sudanese Army. And his complaint was that whenever he heard gunshots, he would go into this sort of trance-like state and shoot everyone around him. Now, that made him a good soldier, but also a big liability to his uh, uh, you know, team members. And um, uh, there was really not anything I could do for him. There was no sort of mental health available. Really, all I could do was pray with him and suggest that he might uh, consider a different line of work. Uh, and I'm not sure what happened to him. But, um, but he and the others taught me uh, to have compassion. And I think when Jesus looked out on this crowd, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this is the, not the only time that um, the Gospels record Jesus' reaction uh, to the crowds in this way. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, there's another uh, episode where Jesus looked out over the crowds. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. After this, Jesus uh, calls the 12 to himself and sends them out. His compassion for the shepherdless sheep seems to be at least part of what moved him to call and to send out the disciples to shepherd them. Jesus' final command to Peter was to feed my sheep. It's recorded in John chapter 21. Sheep without a shepherd is a, is a description of these crowds that Jesus saw, but it's more than just a description of their spiritual state. Jesus is also referencing some very important Old Testament passages that I'd like us to look at for just a moment. The first of those is found in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 27. Moses is approaching the end of his time on earth, and he knows that. So he speaks to the Lord, and he says, Let the Lord, the God of spirits of all flesh, Appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. The name Joshua in the Old Testament uh, is a translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua which is the same name that we translate Jesus in the New Testament. So this Joshua, this Yeshua in the Old Testament was to be shepherd of Israel and really points to Jesus, the other Yeshua, as the final fulfillment. We talked about type and antitype, the antitype of the shepherd of Israel. So when Jesus says these are sheep without a shepherd, He's hyperlinking back to this. He is the true Yeshua. The second of these passages is found in 1 Kings chapter 22. And this is the story of King Ahab, who is a very evil king, uh, wants to go into battle and reluctantly uh, consults with Micaiah, uh, a, a prophet of the Lord, one of the few left in the northern kingdom of Israel. 
And uh, so he summons him, and when he had come to the king, the king said to him, uh, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king says to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you will speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he says, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. Micaiah's prophecy was really the prophecy of King Ahab's death in battle. The scattered shepherdless flock in this passage is an image of Israel without a king, although even before his death, King Ahab had abandoned the flock of Israel by abandoning the Lord. This is what uh, Ezekiel is talking about in his prophecy, which is the third reference that uh, I think Jesus is linking back to. Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should, you, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every hill, high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Ezekiel's prophecy is an indictment of the political rulers of Israel who were bad shepherds. They didn't feed, protect, or guide their people. Instead, they used their people for their own gain. The sheep were scattered because they had no true shepherd. Skipping down to verse 23 of, of this chapter, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. In contrast to the bad shepherds, that Ezekiel condemns. My servant David will be a good shepherd. This is a clear messianic prophecy that points to Jesus, the son of David, and ultimate fulfillment of the Davidic kingship. This is very similar to our Old Testament reading from this morning in the book of Jeremiah, uh, in which uh, Israel's political leaders are condemned with the promise of a true king and shepherd from the line of David uh, to come. Just to remind you, uh, I'll read a portion of that. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. This is Jeremiah 23, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to, the, to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, no, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up 
for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Because of the bad shepherds who have left the sheep scattered, God promises one to come in the line of David, the branch of David, to be the good shepherd, the true shepherd. The last passage that Jesus is referring back to in the Old Testament is from the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter 10, verse 2. For the household gods utter nonsense and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They're afflicted for lack of a shepherd. In this prophecy, Zechariah adds condemnation of Israel's religious leaders. It's not just their political leaders who have let them down. It's their religious leaders who have drifted into falsehood and idolatry. And also includes uh, God's promise to strengthen, save, and restore his people in verse 6. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph, and I will bring them back because I have compassion on them. And they shall be as though I had not rejected them, for I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Jesus, the Messiah, or anointed one, is claiming to be the true shepherd of Israel, the one promised by God in all these places in the Old Testament, the true Yeshua, the true son of David. So when Jesus says that he has compassion for them because they're sheep without a shepherd, this is also a claim uh, of Messiah. So what does it mean uh, to be a, a good shepherd? I'll have to confess that in my life and my work, I have not had much interaction with actual physical sheep. Um, <clears throat> do sheep even think that they need a shepherd? I don't know, probably not. Um, a friend of mine has a, a daughter who is studying to be a veterinarian, and he told me that she hates working with sheep uh, because they like scream at random times for no apparent reason. And especially when you try and shear them, they scream bloody murder, even though they need to be sheared. It's for their own good. Uh, sheep uh, don't seem to know what's good for them, so it's probable that they don't really think that they need a shepherd. Uh, when I was in college, I had a roommate. We all have those, those roommates in college. And this particular roommate um, really took offense at, at, at passages in the Bible that talked about people like they're sheep, you know. Uh, we're the sheep of his pasture. You know, he just couldn't stand that because, you know, it conjured up for him this image of a mindless follower. Well, I think uh, that sheep probably are pretty mindless, but they're probably more likely to be mindless wanderers than to be mindless uh, followers. And um, actually recognizing and following the voice of their shepherd is probably the most mindful thing that, that a sheep is likely to do. Uh, my understanding is that sheeps don't survive well without a shepherd. I think they don't survive at all. Um, they need food and water. Uh, they need protection from danger, whether that's falling into a ravine or, or protection from predators. And they need care and healing. They need to be sheared every so often. So the question is, are we sheep without a shepherd? And would we even recognize if we were? 
I guess to start with, a question for each of us to ask and answer individually, have you trusted Jesus? If so, he is your good shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and that's what Jesus did for us, lay down his life for us, to bring us forgiveness and grace. Even if we have a shepherd, do we act like sheep without a shepherd? Going our own way, falling into trouble, resisting what we need and longing for what we ought not have. Do we act like sheep without a shepherd? Have we stopped listening to the voice of our shepherd? But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, Jesus said in John chapter 10. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Have we found ourselves listening to the voice of strangers? Jesus is our good shepherd. The good shepherd leads, feeds, protects, and provides. And Jesus need, knows that our souls need to be fed first. Before Jesus fed the crowds, which I believe Daryl's going to preach on next Sunday, before he healed their sick, he first taught them many things. Uh, Jesus is the shepherd and overseer of our souls, as, uh, as the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. But we're oftentimes frustrated because God delays in meeting our felt needs, answering our prayers, in order to first teach us many things and to shepherd our souls. Let's learn to trust the good shepherd, to trust him to minister to us, to what we, give us what we really need and when we need it, that we would not be like sheep without a shepherd. I'd like to close our time by asking you, as you're able, uh, close your eyes, quiet your soul, and listen to the words again of the 23rd Psalm. And receive them as a prayer, as a promise, and as Jesus' compassion for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.